Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Favelle, and today is September 23rd, 2022. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Happy Friday to everybody. I'm joined today by our commodity specialist, Eric Thornton. Hello, Eric. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday, Mike. Hello, listeners. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to go right out to it and I'm say thank you, Eric, and thank you to the Buffalo Bills. Because as you know, Eric, I'm on a fantasy football league and I'm terrible at it. But I'm in first place because of your team. Those Buffalo Bills, man, they uh, Buffalo Bills. off to a heck of a start. But uh, it's a long yeah. season, you know, only two games in. and It is. At least for the Bills' sake, the injuries are piling <laughs> up. But boy, they look pretty special uh, <laughs> the first two weeks. Yeah, well, and I got, as I told you, I, I have three. I have the Buffalo defense, Josh Allen and Diggs, and they got... 90 some odd points for me <laughs> and i beat this guy and i i you know my friends are not talking to me right now because you know i am a fluke uh when it comes to uh winning at fantasy football but anyway i just want to say thank you yeah hey eric i wanted i thought okay i'm gonna do my impression of uh a, we could do our impression of uh weather folks you know and yeah uh, i thought today That's we could good. like go into wheat which um, you lead the charge on our wheat expertise. And I thought we could go into a little bit about what's happening with weather and then tie in some financial aspects and maybe a little Putin at the end. Yes. Um, and kind of your views on on what might happen there. I'm sure uh, many folks uh, coming off the IBIE uh, trade show this week in, in Vegas probably want to hear a little bit of your thoughts. They were able to meet with some folks. But um, yeah, why don't we start uh, with, uh, with yeah. weather and just say, uh, mm-hmm. You know, today uh, is sunny and a chance of. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do some quick hitters. If you want to do it in that manner, but go ahead. <laughs> All you. That's right. Yeah, well, I got to say, first and foremost, if we're going to dive into the weather a little bit, I wanted to actually be a meteorologist when I was going through my undergrad what? at Penn State. Yeah, so I may not even have been in this chair had I gone through and wow. gotten that done. But. It became a little bit too much uh, in the way of math, physics, chemistry, and I'm like, why all these, uh, you know, challenging subjects when I thought they just read models and go on TV and I could have seen that, like you said, 50% chance of sun or clouds or rain. But I could see that in Eric. any event. Um, the cool thing is I could still follow weather now in in uh, my current role. So obviously, weather is uh, still a passion of mine personally, and. It's very pertinent into what drives commodity, um, you know, balance sheets in terms of supply and obviously price direction. So very influential, um, obviously not a perfect forecast uh, when folks look short term and long term. But obviously, we've heard a lot about the quote unquote triple dip La Nina that we are uh, in and expected to be in throughout this winter. And basically, this would be the third consecutive year where we are. Uh, entering a La Nina global weather pattern and likely to last through the winter months. So I think many people uh, have heard that now a little bit. And uh, for those that maybe aren't too familiar with it, you know, really that leads to a lot of unfavorable conditions in the Southern Plains in the United States Mm. throughout the winter months in particular. And that is where the hard red winter wheat crop is grown and where we see a lot of that acreage planted in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. And we saw that La Nina really did a number on that crop a year ago in terms of planting and was a really poor harvest. 
for the crop this year. And unfortunately, it's setting up to be the exact same uh, this year where that area is still very dry, still very hot, not seeing ideal planting conditions right now, even though there's talks we may get more acreage. But unfortunately, um, those conditions may not improve throughout the winter. That's only going to be offering um, support, at least for, for wheat prices and factoring in some weather risk premium as we get into the dormancy window, you know, into, later into Q4 into Q1 next year. So whether or not uh, setting up favorable for wheat again here in the U.S. and obviously down in South America as well needs to be watched very closely for the soy and corn crops in, in Brazil and Argentina as La Nina usually leads to dryness and um, unfavorable conditions there as well. And we've seen that play out the last two years. So not not so uh, optimistic um, for a couple of those key grains and, you know, for wheat here in the, the U.S., obviously long way to go. But um, so far, the current conditions are not not ideal for wheat here. Let me ask you, let me ask you, Eric, um, and, and you did a great job there. I, I tell you, you, you would have uh, made a great weatherman. Um, people tell me that I have a uh, face for radio. I think you have a face for TV. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> speaking of the weather premium, how much of the market right now do you think that there is uh, of a premium weather premium for people that are expecting uh, worse conditions? Yeah, that that's um, a good question. Uh, you know, wheat has really been in a sideways trading pattern since about early July, um, you know, bouncing around from a Chicago wheat standpoint in the mid to upper $7 per bushel range into range to the mid eights. And this week we've actually just broken out of that. So I think we're already factoring in some of that premium. Um, and we're also seeing that play into the KC wheat futures, uh, pushing up to this week, uh, closer to $10 a bushel, but coinciding with that, um, has also been, a lot of focus, at least from a wheat standpoint, on what uh, Putin has been saying and what he's been doing out there as it relates to the war in Ukraine. I know we were going to touch on that, but maybe we'll get into that now because it's been fairly influential for wheat. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of headline uh, attention, uh, captivating wheat. So you know, Russia this week said that they're going to formally start to annex some of the Ukraine territories that they currently occupy, mostly in the far eastern region of Ukraine. So we have also seen quite a retreat of Russian forces uh, as well in Ukraine. And seems as though Putin and Russia are gearing up for, we'll call it a, a n- another phase to this war, as he's um, currently going through acquiring 300,000 additional military reserves via draft. So he's also made threats uh, as to use nuclear weapons. And unfortunately, it seems as though it's setting, again, a stage for another potentially very dangerous part to this war. So he's also, lastly on this, uh, been very vocal about his quote-unquote displeasure for the current export deal that's in place in Ukraine. And it's very much raise the uncertainty that this deal will be renewed once it comes up to expiration in late November. And I think that has also been priced in a little bit to wheat prices and grain prices uh, with, you know, if we get to late November and, you know, 
exports are shut down once again out of Ukraine, or maybe even earlier if he doesn't want to wait till then. Who, who knows at this point? So I think all that uncertainty is kind of playing in to the wheat market specifically. But actually, moving a little bit back to the weather, Mike, I know we talked in our commodity call yesterday. Uh, we, we may have a hurricane in our future. Speaking of uh, weather issues. What are they calling um, this one? I think it was what, her. Hermione or Hermaine? Jeffrey mentioned it yesterday, but I don't know. I don't remember, but yeah, it's there is some concern of it coming up this way. Yeah, we're gonna have to keep an eye out. Um, seems as though the current guidance is that it could be a stronger hurricane, um, potentially a major hurricane that's going to, at this point, probably target more of a Florida impact and Cuba impact. Still a lot, a wide range of possibilities, but. As folks log on Monday morning and are listening to this podcast or checking those weather forecasts, we're definitely going to probably be hearing more about this. And it looks like we could be uh, seeing potential U.S. landfall um, the middle of next week. So certainly something to monitor. We don't want to see a major hurricane go through uh, Cane Country in Florida or up through Louisiana, but um, something to watch out for. And I think we'll probably see more on this come early next week. Excellent. Okay. So do you want to dive a little bit into financially what's happening? Obviously, we've seen the the Dow decrease pretty significantly this week Mm -hmm. um, and how that might uh, translate to any impact uh, on the wheat markets. Sure. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of macro influence in these markets, uh, especially today, uh, seeing kind of across the board pressure and and red and really... um, you know, started with this week, highly anticipated uh, announcement of what the Fed would have was going to do with interest rates and 75 basis point increase, which was right in line with what the market was anticipating. And Fed um, and the, the chair of the Fed, Jerome Powell, was also pretty hawkish as well about the future and, and still continuing to hint that there could be even more rate hikes ahead as inflation is not tamed or starts to come under control. So really starting to see a lot of talk after that of, of recessionary fears hitting the headlines, not only here in the U.S., but globally. So even seeing that um, Japan's also raising their uh, currency or their interest rates uh, for the first time, I think, in 24 years. So you're starting to see a lot of this global recessionary concern of the last 48 hours. And crude oil uh, has now plunged below $80 a barrel for the first time since January of this year. You mentioned the Dow. Um, We're currently at about 29,500 here at midday. That's the lowest level we've seen in about two years. The U.S. dollar is rallying again this morning, making fresh 20-year highs at 112. We might see that that market makes a run for the highs back in 2002 when we got close to $120. So a lot of these um, macro factors seem to be kind of pulling prices down here today. And that's really the big thing we're going to be watching here over the next couple of weeks and months is, you know, how much of this global recession will play out and how demand may start to see some impacts, um, yeah. you know, from a wheat standpoint. And I think even on corn as well, uh, the U.S. is the highest FOB cost in the global export arena. And corn export sales are down 50%. Versus a year ago, sales last week were also pretty dismal at just 7 million bushels sold. That's well below the uh, weekly pace needed to hit the target for 22, 23. 
uh, we need to be averaging close to 40 million bushels in sales a week. So we were, you know, well off of that for corn. Wheat's the same thing, despite having some decent strong sales in the early part of this marketing year for wheat, which starts on June 1st, basically been shut off the last four weeks. And to date, we're actually down 4% wow. on uh, U.S. wheat sales. So that 825 million bushel target that uh, USDA currently has for wheat, we may not get there um, if this trend continues. So I think we're already starting to see this play out, Mike, right before our eyes is some of the wow. weaker export demand. But, um, you know, question will be is the U.S. is still one of the major producers uh, that has excess grains in the world market. So, you know, our our export window is still pretty strong from now through late January, February, when the South American crop kind of comes online. So plenty of time to go, but this is going to be a pretty big element to watch play out oh uh, the next four or five months since we basically know where our, you know, our, we have a better idea on where North American production is for grains. Yeah. I mean, great recap, Eric. I mean, there's a lot of factors to consider here. Uh, as you mentioned, just uh, we've got weather, we've got uh, uh, the war, mm -hmm. we've got uh, potential recession, we've got uh, financial markets, uh, competitiveness of our of our grains to the world. It's, so there's a lot of different things. Oh, and, and and I didn't even mention that, Eric, as you know, when that down goes down, some of these uh, uh, speculators go straight over to the commodity market. So yes, yeah, a lot to consider. So uh, great recap. Hey. Listeners out there, those that know Eric and wheat and other things that he helps you out with, you know he's great. But uh, those that don't, uh, if you like what you heard, go ahead and reach out to Eric. You can contact us at our website at mckinney-fovell.com. We have an IQ platform. We have awesome, awesome analysts like Eric. And uh, just go ahead and reach out to us. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute, moment with your friends and family. Do something fun this weekend. And don't think about work. <laughs> what do you think? I like that. Do something fun and don't think about work. Anybody in the food industry can appreciate that. The last couple of years have been tough. So, um, yeah, a lot of challenges. So, anyway, Eric, have a great weekend. Go Bills. Thanks. Go Bills. Take care, everybody. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.